about our JV Serve team. Amen? Amen. And I also want to thank Sister Michelle and Brother Jonathan. Great job working with our, with our team. Just so good. And uh, we'll be hearing more for them, from them in the coming months and weeks. Amen? Why don't you give them one more hand today? Before we jump into our Easter celebration this morning, I do want to just welcome everyone here. We're glad you're here on campus, and uh, we pray that the Easter service is a blessing to you. Those joining us on Facebook Live and live stream, we are so glad you've chosen to spend Easter with Grace Church. Let me just remind you, Tuesday prayer at 10 o'clock here in the sanctuary this Tuesday morning. If you can be here, we invite you to come and pray. And then next Sunday, we're having a children's crusade right here at 11 o'clock. Uh, Brother Daniel and Sister Marilyn Gums will be with us, and we're just praying for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost among our children. Amen? Amen. And so we want you to come, bring your kids, your grandkids. Let's have an awesome, awesome children's crusade next Sunday. Mark your calendars. And then also on May 1st, our very first Move the Mission fundraiser. We're having a cake auction after church. It's going to be good. And so we want you to mark your calendars, help our students raise money for Move the Mission. And what we really need you to do, the way you can participate most is by contributing. We need baked goods. We need you to make cakes and cookies and pies and sweets. So if you would see Sister Tanya Coley about that, she can give you all the information and direct you in that regard. So we're just looking forward to that. We want you to mark your calendar and be a part of that. Amen. Happy Resurrection Sunday. Look at your neighbor and tell them, Happy Easter. Tell them they look like an Easter egg. No, don't tell them that part. I'm just kidding. I hope that you have been leaning into the, the, the whole death, burial, and resurrection narrative this week. I hope you've spent some time in that story and in, in the presence of the Lord this week. I have. I've, I've been uh, praying, meditating, thinking, reading, studying along this line. And I think, I think above all, the thing that strikes me most, the thing that I've come today to celebrate the most, if you will, of all the proofs that Jesus rose from the grave, the, the empty tomb is a fact. Uh, we have eyewitnesses' accounts of His majesty, the Bible says. Luke recorded in, in, in Acts 1, by many infallible proofs, Jesus showed Himself. There's proof, there, there's, there's so much proof of the resurrection. But the greatest proof of all, I believe, is that millions of people just like us all over the world right now are gathered together, feeling the presence of a resurrected Christ. But more than that, if you've been baptized in Jesus' name, if you've received the Holy Ghost, you have the presence of the resurrected Christ living inside of you. I don't think there's any other proof needed. If you've been to the altar, if you've spoken in tongues, if you fellowship with His presence, you know that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. I think we ought to celebrate that today with the praise team on Easter Sunday. I thank Him for the Holy Ghost. I thank Him for the presence of God living in my life. Clap your hands one more time. Has anybody come to bless the Lord today? Jesus is mine. Oh, what a poor taste 
while they were just singing that song, there's times in my life over the past number of years that I received the Holy Ghost when I was 12. I feel like there's been times where I've been anxious to just jump into the blood of Jesus. I just can't wait. There's something anticipating about it. You know you come out pure and clean, refreshed. Seems like there's been other times where it seems like God just took me by the hand and just drug me through the blood. Just, just drag you through it. I was embarrassed sometimes. I felt convicted sometimes. I felt ashamed sometimes. And God said, come on, take me by the hand and I'll pull you through it one more time and you'll come out just as clean and pure as any other time. I thank God today to be washed in the blood. I thank God today to be washed in the blood of the Lamb. What a privilege, what an honor. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. The presence of the Lord is here in a mighty way. In a mighty way, I encouraged our, our praise team, our worship team, even the JV team before service today, that if we could just serve, just push Easter Sunday aside for the next little while, and let's have church today. Thank the Lord. It's Resurrection Sunday, but we put Easter in a different bracket. I'm sure a lot of you have plans immediately after the service, lunch, family, friends, so on. I'm all about that, but for the next little while, could we give God an opportunity to take somebody by the hand today and lead them to a fresh cleansing in the beautiful blood of Jesus? That's what I want to see happen. That's why he died on the cross. That's why he resurrected. And so we could have that privilege and opportunity today. Thank the Lord. And I do want to comment that opening song was just, that lit me up today. And I needed to be lit up. The only, the only edit I would make in that song where somebody would, would sing a, a line and everybody else would say, yes, yes. We need to change that yes, yes to just a yeah. Yeah. Y'all feel me? Yeah. Let's, let's have a little rehearsal right here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So production people, if y'all like to make that little edit, it's probably against the rules and copyright and all that stuff, but just here for Grace Church, next time y'all sing that, I just felt a little yeah come over me with that right there. That, that, was, that was some good stuff. I like to yeah Jesus when I get a chance, because he's amazing. Yes, sir. Thank the Lord. It has been our absolute privilege to have Brother Greg Albritton with us, and uh, intermittently his, his uh, at least two of his kids, uh, Eden and Creed, it's been a, a, a blessing. It's been a blessing to, to have you folks. But uh, I told Brother Greg this morning, maybe someday we'll have more conversation about what his ministry's meant to me personally. But uh, it's been amazing for this church. There's been burdens lifted. There's been people healed. Uh, God has just done some amazing things through his manifest presence. I love this man. I love and, and respect his walk with God. He's had ample opportunity to become bitter and frustrated and trying to perform the will of God, to submit to the will of God. And I believe people across the country that know him, even around the world that know him and know his story, 
have nothing but just a tremendous amount of respect and regard for Brother Greg Albright. He's truly had his share of trying times, and he don't build on that per se. He don't talk about that all the time per se. But those of you that know the story knows he's been tried. But I believe he's come forth as pure gold, a man of God that loves God, that loves the kingdom, he loves people, he loves the people of God. And his ministry has impacted literally hundreds and thousands of people over the years. It's been our privilege to have him. Uh, we will certainly have him back, but I am anticipating what God has given him to say to us today, and I mean that. I'm anxious to hear him speak. And uh, I'm going to ask you again, I'm going to ask you again, don't, don't shove God aside today for your lunch plans after church. God's the priority here today. We're celebrating his resurrection, and I would love to see somebody just really minister to today by the Holy Ghost. Let's welcome Brother Greg Albritton, shall we, as he comes. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Murphy. Thank you for those kind words. It sure is our honor to be with you all. I'm sure I have enjoyed our time of revival, our times together. Man, and I believe God's got some something else for us this morning to minister to us. Now I'm I'm picking up. I probably don't need to preach my hundred. I mean my 122 minute sermon this morning. Uh, just mess it. Y'all can grant it's okay. Turn to your neighbor. And say that was a joke. That was a joke. We'll do our best to see God work and move in our lives in a moderate amount of time. But turn and greet two or three people. Tell them, you look good on this Easter Sunday morning. Come on. Tell somebody, you look good. You look nice. You looking spiffy. Amen. Hopefully you were able to tell the truth. I believe everybody looking sharp, looking good on this Resurrection Sunday morning. Amen. So I want to concur with Pastor Murphy. It's just been a privilege and honor for us to have been with you uh, the last several weekends. Just a wonderful time in the presence of the Lord. And thank you for loving on me. Uh, very sentimental, emotional when I come to Grace Church Central because I was raised just, just a, mile or, a mile or so away and spent time in that area yesterday visiting old friends and and, uh, but thank you for loving on me, loving on my family, being so kind to us, and uh, just so generous, and uh, blessing us. Thank you, Sister Sheila, for the wonderful gift basket that, that we find in our hotel room that I never get to open if a kid is with me that weekend. Um, they enjoy diving in and having first dibs, and uh, that's all right. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Murphy, Sister Murphy. You sure have a appreciated the fellowship they say you can't make new old friends and we go way back I'm not calling us old but we go way back and just the time together has enriched my life so very very much and helped me be a better person better dad a better better man and uh, just so grateful amen good to have my daughter Eden y'all may be seated it's okay we'll sit down for a minute um, good to have my daughter Eden with me this morning and she's going to come sing and testify. No, just kidding. She'll get me after church. Um, 
So glad to have her with us in church today. And we're glad to have my Joseph Creed with me today. Amen. Joseph Creed, come on up here. He wants to testify this morning. Now, let me tell y'all something. That JV band rocked the house. That's my favorite song. Always will be, I think, unless something better come along one day. But Waymaker, just hard to top that. Y'all did amazing. Y'all did amazing. I love it. I love it. All right. Welcome back to the house of the Lord again. But today we're going to be talking about languages. Fun fact, scientists say there is around 6,500 languages in this world. There's like Spanish, Mexican, <laughs> sorry, uh, Spanish, English, stuff like that, French. There's different accents too, like British, Southern, Cajun, stuff like that. And it could take months or even years just to learn one different language. But there's one language that you could get. It doesn't matter what language you speak, nor what, what accent you have, because it's the Holy Ghost, because you could get anywhere. You could be at your house. You could be under your bed crying, because it doesn't matter where you're at, but the best place to get it, right here, God's house, Amen. All right, thank you all for coming today. God bless you. Amen. Anybody in the house ever spoken a heavenly language when God baptized you with the Holy Ghost? Nothing like it. Nothing like it. Amen. Let's turn in the word of the Lord. Now, I'm going to do something to you. I'll let you sit down for a couple minutes, but let's stand in honor of the word of God. And again, great to see everybody on this Easter Resurrection Sunday. Blessings to you. Genesis chapter 2, verse 8. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7 and 8 are our texts this morning. Chapter 2, verse 8, you'll notice second chapter of the Bible, right in the beginning of everything being shared with us uh, of the Genesis, the beginning of all things. Verse 8, and the Lord God planted a garden. I want you to take a moment and say that with me. And the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7 and 8, Paul said, we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom. So it's not just the wisdom of God. Paul says it is the hidden wisdom of God. It's not right out in the open. It was God's secret or hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world, that's the principalities and powers, the spiritual uh, darkness. It said, none of the princes of this world knew. 
They didn't know what? They didn't know God's hidden wisdom. They didn't know God's plan of how he was going to get things done. So it said, these princes did not know God's wisdom. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. There's just some things the devil didn't know. There were some things he was not aware of. Very briefly, he's saying he wouldn't have crucified the Lord if he would have known he was helping bring salvation to the whole planet. He thought he was putting an end to God's plan. Instead, he helped God's plan. And if he'd have known that, he wouldn't have crucified Jesus. So I want to minister this morning on the subject, the God of the garden. Would you say that with me? The God of the garden. And I, you may hear me say a couple of times, the devil just didn't know. God bless and you may be seated. Lord, your word is anointed. Let it be anointed in ministry for these next few moments this morning. Let your spirit be active and activated in this house today. Somebody's life, home, family, whether that's a single adult family, single adult parent or family of five or seven or young people in this church, all, all, every home unit represented, let us be blessed by your word and your spirit in our lives. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and I want you to ask him a question for me. Say, they put Jesus where? Would you turn to your other neighbor and say, come on, put, put the question mark on the end. They put Jesus where? We'll talk about that in a little bit. In Genesis Chapter 13, verse 10. I feel to take a maybe a 20-second pause here before I dive into preaching this morning. I know it's Easter Sunday. I want to concur with Pastor. I realize that. But how many of you believe in the next few moments if we lock in, God can do something and minister in people's lives? Let's take about 20 seconds. Would you give Jesus permission? Would you give Jesus permission if he has something for you? Would you give him permission to minister in your life today, in your home today, in your family? God, we give you permission. I open up access to my mind. Open up access to my heart. Open up access to my family, Lord, to minister today in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. amen. All right, Brady, come stand by me real quick. Something I want you to help me do. Is there anybody special here today you'd like to welcome all the way from Wisconsin and say happy Easter? My grandma Karen. Your grandma Karen. Where's your grandma Karen? There she is back there sitting by Brother Marty. Amen. I was in the hotel last night and looked up some people in the hall, and I'm like, I know y'all. Amen. Brother Marty was granted from ear to ear and got to meet his mom all the way here from Wisconsin. Thank you for coming all the way from Wisconsin for Easter Sunday today. Bless you. Amen. In Genesis chapter 13 and verse 10 the garden of eden is referred to as the garden of the lord four times in the book of ezekiel the garden of eden is called the garden of god the beauty and the awesomeness of eden we think of it as adam and eve and where the bible story unfolds but we, I want us to think for a few moments, this beauty and awesomeness that was Eden was a very special place 
and it was his. The garden of the Lord means it was God's garden. The garden of God, it was his. He planted this gardener and he, this garden, and he was the gardener. I must be honest this morning, out of all the attributes, all of the characteristics, and all of the descriptions of God, until the last couple of years, I've not put too much consideration towards God as being a gardener. I've not spent a lot of time saying, I worship you, my wonderful horticulturist. You're amazing. I give you praise. How many of you have just honored the Lord and praised him as a horticulturist this way? Anybody? No. It's not a thought process or maybe uh, a way we think of the Lord. Now let me explain what a gardener, an expert gardener is, or a horticulturist, not the easiest word to say, is. Now, um, a, a horticulturist is simply this, a, an expert, an expert in garden cultivation and management. So it's just someone who's an expert gardener managing a garden. I learned few years ago, I've only had a garden twice in my life, and just decided a little 12 by 12 garden, had fun, and, and, uh, and, and, and planted a few plants, and especially tomatoes, love tomatoes, so I had big tomatoes, cherry tomatoes, you name it, and I learned something in my two years of being a gardener. If you ever want to get an elder excited, find an elder who's good with their tomatoes, and ask one question. And 30 minutes later, you've heard every secret in the world on how to, pre how to produce good tomatoes. I had so much fun when I'd find out there's an elder that was good in the garden. I'd ask questions, and I, that was some of my favorite 30 minutes. Our home church in Baton Rouge had a horticulturist named Brother Mike Cannon. Some of you will remember Brother Mike. He was involved and may still be. I haven't talked to him in years. Involved in the LSU system as a horticulturist. And I remember I used to ask him, Brother Mike, what, what do you do? And he'd explain it to me a little bit as a kid in the church. And I'll never forget, he had a twinkle in his eyes. And he'd tell me, anytime I'd ask him about what's a horticulturist, he'd have a twinkle in his eyes and he'd say, here, let me tell you a secret, Greg. And I'm 11 or 12 at the time. He said, you, eat, you need to eat a lot of tomatoes. Because it'll put hair on your chest. Man, as an 11-year-old boy, I ate more tomatoes. <laughs> I don't know if it ever worked, but I ate tomatoes, still eat tomatoes to this day. But I've never, until the last few years, taken the time to consider God as a gardener. I want us to look at our text again, chapter 2, verse 8 of Genesis I want you to notice it says, the Lord God planted a garden. This is the first recorded act in the Bible after following the creation of the heavens and the earth and all the elements involved in creation. And God said, let there be. And God said, he spoke over the days of creation and, and he brought the earth into existence. But in chapter 2, verse 8, is the first recorded act of God after the initial speaking into existence, the creation. 
And in this statement, it doesn't say, and God said, let there be a garden. The Bible says, and the Lord God planted. That's a difference. The Lord God planted a garden. The God of all creation. If I can take just a little bit of liberty this morning. The Lord of all creation knelt down in the dirt. He got his knees and his hands dirty, and he planted a garden. His hands, in his hands, was the soil of the earth. In that planting, in his hands, were seeds and seedlings. In his hands, over that period of time that he planted a garden, was the cycle of life. In his hands was represented the sowing or the planting and the seed time. In his hands were seeds that would be watered and plants that would be cultivated and then plants that would grow and fruit and harvest that would come in his hands just holding seeds. In his hands were seasons. In his hands were endings. But in a garden, endings aren't final endings because the seed, some of you that plant your gardeners, you understand that the seed will die, but it will produce a plant that will live. If you go to the hardware store, or you go to Walmart or anywhere, you find your little packet of seeds, whatever kind of plant, whatever kind of flower it is, on the, on the package it's going to say days to germination days to flowering or till it produces a vegetable or a fruit. It's already in the DNA of the seed. It can stay in that packet a long time, but when you put it in the soil and plant it, then a process begins that a certain amount of days germination is going to take place. That's the last day of the seed's existence, but it's the beginning of the plant's existence, and it's when life begins to come in that soil and all of that was represented in Jesus hands in his hands planting that garden was the seeds of new life in his hands was brand new fresh beginnings in his hand was the process and the promise of fruit to come all of that was in his hand in his heart and in his mind as he planted the garden. The Bible says in that same text that in that garden, he placed the man, humanity that he had formed. I find that fitting. God planted a garden. And then his prized creation, Adam and Eve, he said, I want you all to live right here in this garden. I find that very applicable and fitting as our processes as the processes of our human lives would so mirror the processes of the garden's natural journey, the seasons of life, beginnings and endings and fresh life and fruit that will come, the cycles and seasons of our lives mirror that, that he planted in that garden. The verse 9 of chapter 2 says, God, out of the ground, he made to grow every tree. 
The garden was a place of life. It was a place of growth. It was a place of new things, of freshness. It was a special place. Now, with that backdrop, as how God, his first act after creation, was planting this garden and, and holding in his hands the cycles and seasons and freshness and things to come, the promise of things to come, I would like for us to fast forward to the New Testament this morning and take a look at a few things that happened, some beautiful, incredible, and powerful things that happened in a garden. Some of the most pivotal moments in all of history happened in a garden. First of all, his betrayal. John chapter 18, verse 1 and verse 2. Notice these words. John 18, verse 1 and 2. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his disciples over the brook Cedron, and there or where was a garden into which he entered and his disciples. So Jesus in John 18, verse 1 here, he speaks these words. He went with his disciples, and it says, where there was a garden, and he entered there, knowing. Now, I, I want to share with you the setting here. This is the setting where Judas is about to betray Jesus. Knowing what was coming, Jesus went to a garden. Knowing what was about to unfold, Jesus chose the location. He went to a garden. And in John 18, here in verse 2, the Bible says, And Judas also, which betrayed him, knew the place. For Jesus oft times resorted thither with his disciples. Judas, as he's in this process of betraying Jesus, the Bible tells us here, I know the place Judas thought. I know where Jesus will be. He'll be in the garden because that's where he often goes. And then the story goes on that Judas betrayed Jesus right there in that garden. I'm going to take a moment to say right here, the devil inspired this action of betrayal against Jesus. But the devil did not choose the venue. And the devil did not realize the power of the venue when he allowed Jesus to be betrayed in the garden. But that is not all that happened in a garden. The story doesn't end there. Jesus was also crucified in are very near a garden. I know it's not mentioned often that his place of, actual place of crucifixion was either in or near a garden. And he was buried in a sepulcher which was also in a garden. This makes perfect sense when one considers the wisdom of God makes perfect sense that Jesus would have these experiences in a garden. Let's look in John chapter 
12, verse 23 and 24. I want you to notice something that Jesus, talking to his disciples, that he was going to be crucified shortly following. Please note something that Jesus said. He said in John 12, verse 23, the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. And in verse 24 of John 12, he said, I say unto you, now this is King James wording, but Jesus said, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat. Now he's talking about he himself being glorified. He said, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it dies, brings forth much fruit. A corn of wheat, a grain of wheat, or you and I would say a seed. So brother David, in the process of Jesus telling his disciples, I'm about to be crucified and, and glorified, he uses the illustration of a seed. And a seed, if it's unplanted, it abides alone. But when it's planted, a process can begin that will bring forth much fruit. And so Jesus had spoke those very words. So it makes sense. It might not have appeared this way to the devil. He didn't have a clue. The devil just didn't quite get it. But Jesus said, I'm about to be betrayed. I'm headed to a garden. Amen. And then when Jesus was crucified, John chapter 19, verse 41 in the place, notice this wording, in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. Where Jesus was crucified, he was either in or very near to a garden. And then the Bible says, in that garden, a new sepulcher, wherein was never man yet laid. Would you turn to your neighbor again and say, they put Jesus where? Verse 42. We can see that first verse, first part of verse 42 in the place where he was crucified was a garden, a new sepulcher. Man was never laid there. Verse 42, notice what the Bible says. It says, there laid they Jesus, therefore. Devil, where did you let Jesus be buried? In a grave, right in the middle of a garden. Amen. Somebody understand. Jesus was buried in a grave in the middle of a garden. Satan thought he was bringing an end to God's plans. But he didn't realize that this act was taking place in one of God's favorite places to work. Amen. In a place where God understood it may look like an ending, but it's not going to be an ending. Something new is going to spring forth. The seed may go into the ground alone, but it's not going to stay alone. It's not going to stay by itself. And then it's even taken one step further. Not only was Jesus betrayed in a garden, the venue of his choosing. Not only was he crucified in or near a garden, not only was he buried in a garden, 
but he also, obviously, if he was buried there, then he was resurrected from the middle of a garden. John chapter 20, verse 15 and 16. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, he's already resurrected. Mary's come to the tomb. He says, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She. Somebody noticed this line. She, supposing him to be the gardener. It's in a garden. It must be the gardener that's asking me, what, what are you doing? Who are you looking for? Who are you seeking for? She says, sir, if you've taken him somewhere, please, please tell me where you've laid him. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. She turned herself and said unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, Master. She's weeping at the tomb. Jesus is already resurrected. And when she heard a voice, the Bible says she supposed it was the gardener. And I would like to say this morning, Mary, you weren't wrong. It was the gardener. It was the greatest gardener of all time. Jesus was alive again. There was new life. There was resurrection. God Almighty allowed himself to be a part of the process. And the plant has sprung forth from the ground. And it won't be long that new fruit will come. day of Pentecost unfolded just a few weeks later, the church would soon explode in growth. The worldwide harvest of souls that began on the day of Pentecost continues to this day because that seed was planted in the soil. Amen. That seed went through the process. But devil, you couldn't stop God's plan. What you thought, you just didn't know. What you thought was an ending was actually going to be a beginning, a fresh start, and a breakthrough of revival. He's the God of the garden. His first act was planting a garden. And then some of the most powerful acts of biblical history and human history happened and unfolded in a garden. Because in a garden, endings aren't final endings. Plantings don't mean it's the end. It means hold on, keep trusting Keep believing because something fresh and something new is coming soon. I am going to take a few moments and be transparent of the genesis or the origins of this message today. And Pastor, you mentioned I don't always reference our story, but when I do, I, I don't hide from it when I feel to. But my wife... My wife passed away at the end of May, and youth camp was just a few weeks later. Just two weeks later. Our Eden, who's still here today, was in the, the play at kids' camp. She loved being a part of that, was a part of that. And here we are, just days after tremendous loss. We're at camp watching the kids play, which many of you know, it's not just for the kids. Some of you go an hour early to get a good seat. 
It's a hot ticket in town, in Tioga, on that week. And on this particular day, people were praying up front. People's lives were being touched. And me and Creed had kind of sat halfway back or so, and we went up front to pray. My Emery was there, my oldest, my Eden was there. And during the altar time, I, after praying with my kids a minute, I, I sat over on this side on the steps, had my Creed man by me, and I'm looking up. And Eden, if I remember, was closest. And then Emery was just behind her. And as I sat there, I not only was praying for my kids, but grieving was coming out in my praying. And as I sat there, I realized I'm looking straight through my children at the spot because the first place that I ever asked out, Jamie, my wife, was at the altar at camp meeting when altar time was over and everybody finished praying. And in this story, it was it was right by the middle aisle, right by the front. And I said, hey, and she had heard there's this preacher that's wanting to talk to you. I'd love to tell you she beamed and she smiled and she started talking to me. She didn't. She, she grabbed her Bible and she took off walking in her purse and she took off walking to the side. Being a good red-blooded American, I followed her. She's like, oh, no, 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 no. And she took off. And by the side door, finally, I said, well, let, it don't have to be going out. Let's just go get coffee or something. Okay, okay. I remember somewhere in there was some line like, I'm just dating Jesus. I'm like, no, but give me a chance. <laughs> but I realized as I'm looking at my children pray and I'm crying, I'm like, they're just a few feet in front of where I asked her out on our first date. Also, because I had connections, was youth president at the time when I decided to ask her to marry me. I said, you know, that spot where I first talked to her and asked her out, that would be a cool spot to ask her to marry me. Not a whole lot of romantic spots in Alexandria, Louisiana. So I had a table set up right here in the tabernacle at the campgrounds. Had a friend, was a waiter, had a little candlelight dinner. He'd go in the back, come out. It was a, it was a full, several-course meal, meal, dessert. All, all that happened at the tabernacle right here. First date, asked her to marry me. Now, sitting on the steps, watching my kids cry out, flashing memories. And the way it just came out of me was, okay, Jesus. Where, where do dreams go to die? Which is how my prayers came. Where, where do dreams go to die? And I prayed, and I just cried those words. And as clear as I've ever heard anything in my life, the Lord impressed me, put them in a garden. And in that moment, I realized he doesn't just mean any garden. He means put it in his hands and put it in his process and put it in the soil, amen, that he can culture, cultivate, that he can work with, and that he can move in. Amen. I want to say on this Sunday morning that fruit will one day come again.
I want to speak into your lives today. Oh, I may still have hurts, and our family still has hurts that we navigate, but something happened. When I say, God, I'm going to put my hurt in your garden, and I'm going to put any struggles I've gone through in your hands, and I'm going to put anything that's come against my life in your hands. I'm not just going to lay it on the side. I'm not just going to hold it for the rest of my life. I'm not just going to, no, 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 no. I'm not putting it in a garbage can somewhere. I'm putting it in the soil that God's going to work with. And I'm putting it in a place where God's hands are going to be there. And God's process is going to be there. Hallelujah. So, Brother Greg, when you put that in the garden, does it mean you never hurt again? No. There's still some hurts, and there's still healing process, and there's still a journey. But I tell you this, when you put your hurt and you put your pain and you put your broken dreams in God's hand, something good, I don't care how bad it was. Please understand, I care. But it doesn't matter how bad it was or what you've gone through or what you face when you put it in God's hands and you put it in God's garden, that's not the end of the story. New life. Somebody say new life. New life will spring forth. I know we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. I don't want to take a moment. Just say we've all experienced hurts and pain, brokenness. The question is not if we have experienced that. The question is how are we going to process it? What are we going to do when hurt comes in our life or brokenness comes in our life or dreams? get damaged or family falls apart or things happen, what are we going to do with that? So I want to take a moment again. I want to speak into every life and family in this room. On this last day of this season of revival, I'm asking somebody that must say, well, you don't understand the brokenness that came to my home, or you don't understand what crushed my dreams, or you don't understand the things that may have happened in, in my life. I just want to tell you, would you in your mind and in your heart take that and say, Jesus, I'm planting it in your garden. I'm putting it in your hands, and I'm putting it in your process. When you do that, when you do that, Amen. Let me just tell you what happens. Devil, you don't have a clue. You just didn't know. There's some people in this room you thought you were going to destroy, but they put their hurt back in God's hands. They put their family back in God's hands. They put their circumstance back in God's. Devil, you just didn't know. You thought. You thought it was the ending. You thought it was over. You thought they were said and done for. You thought it was a done deal. But they took it. But they took it. Oh, it was bad. It was ugly. But guess what I did with it? I ran and put it in his hands. And he put it in his garden. And that means it's not the end of the story. It's not over. It's not done. 
You say, Brother Greg, as bad as what happened to me, uh, I'm not saying that is going to come back to, through the soil. But that seed is going to produce something fresh and something new. I want to say it in these words. When I put it in God's hands, when you put it in God's hands, Satan, you may have had a word, but you don't get the last word. Devil, you may have had a say. Oh, somebody. Hey, man, think about, think about whatever it is you're holding. Huh? Devil, you may have had a say, but guess what? You don't get the final say. <laughs> not when I put it back in God's hands. Not when I give it to the Lord. Not when I give it to God's process and God's plan. Because when I give it to him, he's going to turn that into a seed. That something new is going to spring forth. Something fresh going to come forth. Can we close our eyes for a moment? Lift our hands to the heavens all across this room. I put my family in your hands. Hallelujah. I put, it's, it's just another way of saying I put it in your hands, Jesus. I put it in the garden of the Lord. I put it in the soil of, of Almighty God. The first thing he did was planted a garden saying, look, I understand the cycles and the seasons and, and new life will come forth. I put it in your process, Jesus. I put it in your hands, Jesus. I put it in your plan, Jesus. Amen. I put my family in your hands. I put my church in your hands. I put our process in your hands. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. I close. We've been taught. There are four seasons, right? It's not a trick question. We've been taught there are four seasons, winter, spring, summer, fall. Oh, I got to tell somebody today. The, the scripture that I, I'm about to look at is Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. I got to tell somebody today that's been faithful. There's a fifth season. The Bible says, be not weary and well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. Somebody hear me. There's winter, there's spring, there's summer, there's fall, but there's due season. Somebody keep being faithful. Somebody keep on trusting Jesus. Somebody keep on believing something new is going to happen. Let me take this hand and hold it to the heaven. God's got some breakthroughs for some people in this room right now. You're going to keep on being faithful. You're going to keep on trusting your God and something new's going to... I don't know what the devil meant as an ending, but I speak. It's not over. The devil just didn't know you were going to put your story in God's garden. The devil just didn't know you were going to put it in God's hands. He's the God of the... Amen. Would y'all give me a few minutes for the Holy Ghost to do what the Holy Ghost wants to do in this house right now? They put Jesus where? They put him in a garden. That's where. Amen. Where am I putting my story? I'm putting it in the garden because something new's coming forth. Something fresh is coming forth. The devil ain't going to win in this. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. 
I want you to do something right now. If you don't mind, reach over and take the hand of your neighbor. Amen. Sis, I got to pray for you right now. Take the hand of your neighbor and just hold him. Pray for a moment. If you feel like lifting that hand, just lift it for a moment right now. In the name that's above every name. Devil, you just didn't know she was going to put it in a garden. You just didn't know she was going to give it all right back to God's hands. And this story ain't finished. Take that hand you hold and lift it to Jesus right now. Let the love of the Father come. Hallelujah. Church, let's not be watching me right now. Could you close your eyes if you want to stand, stand. Could you lift your hands to the heavens right now? Amen. There's ministry in this room. I'm done. I'm wrapped up preaching. Let's let the Holy Ghost have his way right now. Devil, you may have had a say, but you don't get the final say. You may have had a word, but you don't get the last word. Devil just didn't know. He just didn't know. You're going to put it in a garden. In the name of Jesus. 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 When I put it in God's hands, it ain't over. When you put it in God's hands, it's not Jesus. 
Shanda Amen in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. God spoke to me last Sunday night over several folks that I'm praying for. Amen. One is my own daughter. If you don't mind, just pray, God, give another layer of healing on her today. Let another layer of anointing come on her today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Take that hand. If, you, if you're comfortable, put your hand on their shoulder of that one beside you. Let ministry flow in this room right now. When you put it in the garden of the Lord, it's not an ending. When you put it in the garden of the Lord, You thought you were going to destroy some families because of what they've been through. You thought you were going to destroy some homes because of what they faced. You thought there were some young people that was never going to recover because of what they walked through. But I speak in the name of the Lord. They put that brokenness in the garden. They put that hurt in the garden. They put that hurt.
hurt, God can do something with it. Put it in his garden. You mean even that brokenness, Brother Greg? Yes, even that brokenness. Put it in his garden. Put it in his process. Put it in his hand. You mean even how ugly that was? Plant it in God's garden. He'll bring Yeah, 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 Rabba Shanti. 